When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. More information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire has a couple of great gifts to give away. They got a, an Alliance flashlight and an Alliance ball cap. So if you want one of those, send an email to marketing at axontire.com. And with all your details, uh, and they will send that ball cap to you. Just send that email to marketing at axontire.com. Also, if you're one of the first 150 people to sign up for the Moving Iron Summit, you get $50 off your registration. Uh, courtesy of the folks at Axon Tires. Check that out. More information about that, go to uh, movingironllc.com and click on the 2023 Moving Iron Summit tab up in the upper right corner. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Powered by Farm Direct. Farm Direct. Powered by Farm Credit Ag Direct. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <coughs> AgDirect is built uh, for today's agriculture with simple applications, quick responses, competitive rates, and generous flexible terms. AgDirect offers buy, lease, and refinance options for almost all types of new and used equipment. Non-recourse and timely funding back to the dealership plus sales incentives. No other ag equipment lender works like AgDirect. Learn more 
by calling your AgDirect Territory Manager or 888-525-9805 or visit us at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the tr- industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auction pricing insights. And last, this podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks, the Dealer Connect CRMI app. With integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. It's nice to come on and talk about what's happening in the market. Chip, how you doing, man? Hey, good. Casey, how you doing? You know, not too bad. Um, we had a, a solid report come out yesterday, and, and my area here, January, was the wettest January on record in 130 years. So... We have uh, a lot of good moisture coming into our very drought-stricken area, but I think we're just about ready to be considered a drought right now. So we're not not an extreme drought. So we're uh, we're working our way up that scale. But Fixing the it. Pattern, it's the right way. Heading the right way. Looking at the weather patterns around us, looks like a lot of a lot of part of the, of the wheat areas though are still struggling with with uh, moisture. And what we see happening there. So Chip, as you look at the at the wheat market right now domestically. What are your thoughts there and the condition reports that keep coming out keep getting worse? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit early here uh, in, in February to for the market to really care much about the plains. Um, that crop went into dormancy, I believe, the poorest rated wheat crop in history. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's been a little snow and, and some rain here and there in, in some areas this winter so far, but uh, still relatively dry. But I, I think it's just still a little bit too early for the market to to care a whole lot. Um, you got a lot, other, uh, you know, a lot of other outside factors as well. Uh, this Russian wheat crop, uh, even though there's sanctions on them, um, look to be a large crop and they keep trickling, uh, you know, out enough uh, on the world market to kind of keep things, um, you know, stabilized. And, um, you know, we're still, there's still cheaper sources of wheat than U.S. wheat. Now, I do think if you get into you know, April, May, and get this crop out of dormancy, and, and you're still seeing problems, and they don't have, um, you know, any better moisture, then the market might start caring a little more. You could even see maybe some abandonment in some areas or some talk of that with where corn prices are, where bean prices are. I know in some areas they don't have that ability uh, to switch, but I just think it's a touch early uh, as far as the week goes. Now, with all that being said, it, it is way overstretched. You go back almost a month now to the January crop report. We threw several bearish things at the wheat market and it stopped going lower. And and so, you know, the funds have a massive short position on uh, north of, at one point north of 70,000 contracts. They probably paired that back a little bit. So, you know, wouldn't take much of a spark and you could see a nice short covering bounce out of it. But um you know, unfortunately, I think we're still a couple months away from the the wheat market focusing much on the the conditions and the the potential of that wheat crop in the southern plains. Right. So there's a uh, job report that's coming out. Uh, I think today, right? That today the job report comes Came out. Came out today. Yeah, we we yeah. added a little over five hundred thousand jobs, better than expected. It's got the the dollar up sharply. Um, interest rates are kind of. Uh, they're they're fair a, a nice amount higher. Uh, the stock market has had a huge run higher, and it's correcting lower today. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, it doesn't make the Fed's job any easier because uh, they want to th- kind of slow things down. And 
you know, we keep adding jobs and the labor market's still really uh, tight and that's not going to go, um, you know, very far to help um, ease some of this inflation uh, that the Fed's trying to pour some cold water on. Yep. So that was quite a bit like you're talking about the expectations being higher than what you talked about. And when you start looking at the price of food and you see at the grocery store, my wife bought some eggs the other day that were, I think they were at like eight bucks or something like that. And, you know, the, the super duper double organic um, free range, everything's wonderful eggs were like five bucks. So you had, you start looking at all the stuff that's going on that you start looking at the price of beef and where we're at there. Um, I did buy a brisket the other day. I'm going to smoke brisket over the weekend. And now I'd noticed the price of that had come down significantly from what, what it was too. So I don't know if I just got a lucky break there or what, but when you're looking at that stuff, Chip, and you look at this job report that's coming out, um, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of signals out there that are still pointing towards, even though we see this contraction in the marketplace and all these different things happening, the price of beef, milk, and eggs are still really inflated, and there's really no in on in a of any kind of relief on on the horizon here. Yeah, and. And wages haven't um, increased. Haven't gone down. And, and exactly. you know, we only have about one time in history to kind of compare that to, and that was back in the seventies. And we're following along. Actually, if you put a chart of what inflation did in the seventies, with um, you know where it started and where we're at right now, in the seventies you had you know they started raising interest rates. You kind of pulled inflation back a little bit, and then you kind of had another push higher until um, you know we finally kind of turned the corner. And you could easily easily see that again. I, I think that's. Um, what everyone's trying to ascertain right now, the Federal Reserve is telling you, you know, they just raised another quarter of a percent the other day. Um, I think everyone says, oh, it's temporary. They're going to go back lower. A lot of people thinking by the end of the year, uh, you know, they're going to be back going lower. And, and they've told yes. you the whole time, this thing's going to be higher for longer than what you yeah. think. I mean, they're telling you what the game plan is here. They want to slow inflation down. So they either have to keep raising or keep them higher longer than, uh, than, than what, people think i'm not sure how it's gonna play out you know i mean it's all a big uh, experiment um for the most part and right. so there's no real uh, right. rule book on uh, you know what the next page should be what's the next what's the next play of this game they're kind of yeah. you know grasping at straws right now and you think and so you take a look at that and you start looking at cold storage reports you start looking at cattle on feed reports you start looking at those kind of things and that the, cat, the, the cold storage reports, we're starting to see some buildup in there that we previously, you know, two months ago, we were starting to see that really kind of shrink off and, and uh, those supplies are starting to dwindle. But you look at cattle and feed reports and all those things, and there's just, it's it, the scarcity thing is starting to kind of creep its way back in because of what we were doing with the cattle herd. Yeah, for sure. And, and you saw that here uh, earlier this week, you had a semi-annual cattle inventory report. Uh, it showed three to four percent, um, you know, drops across the board. The market rallied. The cattle market rallied sharply into that. Kind of had to buy the rumor, sell the facts, set back, and now we're rallying again. Yeah. Uh, any way you cut it, you know, weights are coming down. The the cattle on monthly cattle on feed reports are shrinking compared to where they were a year ago. Now the inventory report uh, is down as expected because of basically two and a half years worth of drought and and you know breeding stock liquidation and and now you're going to see it so the numbers are down we talked we've talked about this before too you know i mean it's like you, you've got a wildly bullish situation um you know in the cattle market but is the economy going to be strong enough is the consumer going to be strong enough 
to hold the domestic demand together as prices go up with the shrinking uh, inventory. Um, you know, we're not at all-time highs, but we're within shouting distance of all-time highs in cattle. I don't know why we wouldn't eventually, uh, you know, meet and exceed that. And, um, you know, on the pork side, we haven't seen the expansion for two years, yeah. probably because of high labor costs or, or lack of, you know, being able to find labor and high construction costs. So, you know, the pork side is kind of steady. Uh, the poultry side has had, uh, you know, some health problems with avian flu and whatnot. That's part of the reason why eggs are so high priced that you mentioned. And, and so that's also a concern on the, you know, on the grain side, on the feed side uh, is, you know, we haven't seen the expansion yet. So we're actually shrinking and, um, you know, <laughs> it, it all goes together here. And I think that's one of the big headwinds on the grain side is that that domestic feed side is going to be hard to, you know, it's been sticky to expand. It yeah. will eventually, but I, I don't think it's right now. And so that's going to, you know, cur curtail feed demand. We're already struggling with, um, with ethanol. We're, we're kind of seeing that shrink a little bit. We saw uh, Brazil just uh, kind of in a thumb your nose type uh, situation. Uh, they just put back some, yeah, I think like 16% uh, import tariff um, on U.S. Uh, ethanol. They have been a big buyer of U.S. ethanol the last couple of years. Um, and so that's a, that's a concern. And, and you're also knocking on the door of what looks like to be a record uh, Brazilian bean crop and a yeah. pretty good first crop of corn. And, you know, they're, they're rushing to get beans out of the field so they can plant their second crop corn behind it. And if there's no weather problems with that, uh, all of a sudden we're going to have plenty of corn and beans, uh, in the world where we've really had tight stocks for the last three years. So could be kind of seeing this pendulum shift from very tight stocks and strong demand to larger stocks and slowing demand. That's not a good combination. Not going to see that in the next two weeks, two months, but, right. uh, you know, slowly over the next six to 12 months, you could, uh, you know, kind of see this thing shift to a di different dynamic than what we've been used to the last three years. So I'd like your opinion on this. This is something I've been thinking about and following and, and kicking around. When you're looking at ethanol and electric cars, you're looking at uh, soybeans and vegetable oil and those kind of things and how that, you know, biodiesel and, you know, Delta wants to tell everybody in the world how many gallons of, of uh, avi or, um, aviation fuel that they've uh, used. That's bio uh, renewable sources and this, that, and other thing. When you're looking at that and there's this big push to get biodiesel, 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 um, do you do you anticipate more people looking at soybeans this year saying, you know, I'm going to plant 25% more soybeans or 10% more soybeans or 5% more soybeans than I did last year? And, and to, because there's going to be this ethanolish type like boom in in the biodiesel side of this. Uh, well, I think that's the um, the markets probably in the next sixty days going to kind of fight that out as far as how many acres we're going to plant. Um, there is a tremendous amount of, of this biodiesel, um, you know, demand that's getting ready to be put online and more within the next two and three years. Uh, unfortunately. Um, it, it might come at a time if we continue to have big crops out of the Southern hemisphere where our exports, you know, the biodiesel, the extra biodiesel demand might only offset what we lose in export competitiveness to the Southern hemisphere. So it's, it's good demand. Don't get me wrong, 
but I don't know if it's quick enough. I don't know if it's all going to be there for this 23 crop to, and enough to get people to want to switch acres. I still think that's still a, an economic uh, decision and inputs, you know, a lot of inputs were purchased or, and put on already at the highest level ever. ever. Um, I have heard that some, uh, some uh, fertilizer and nitrogen prices are coming down. So if there's any swing acres, particularly in the South, and corn input costs are coming down, you know, that may kind of be enough to secure some corn acres on guys that, you know, we're maybe talking about um, switching over to beans. I think it's really up in the air still. And I'm not sure the biodiesel thing is, is um, assured enough yet to get people to switch. I think it still comes down to economics and, you know, what's it cost to produce an acre of corn? What's it cost to produce an acre of beans? And, and, um, you know, what are the current price levels that producers are facing? So I think you're about to fight that out in the market here, you know, over the next couple of months. Yeah. So you look at, at corn, wheat, soybeans, um, cotton, all those major cash crops that are out there, every one of them are screaming for more acres, right? I mean, if you could plant more acres to wheat, you would. If you could plant more cotton acres, you would. I mean, there's just so many different things going on. With this biodiesel thing coming on, and like you said, twenty three, maybe twenty four is a, a better twenty five year yeah. uh, crop years are a better uh, mover on this. If you were to sit back and look at this, and and considering where everything's at from a, a supply, uh, you know, outcome and what that looks like, where where do you think these acres come from, and where do you think you see the biggest boom in in soybeans that that out of the out of the connected of the out of the ordinary area anyway. Yeah, that's that is a great question, right? Um, we've gotten out of the typical um, acreage mix a little bit the last few years. Some of it's been prevent plant, sure. some of it's been uh, abandoned acres because of drought. Uh, you know, typically we plant about 180 plus million acres of corn and beans total. Um, so you know, to to there's a couple ways it could play out. Number one is we don't have to shift the acres at all because we lose some of our exports to Brazil, but make up for it with domestic biodiesel and it just kind of evens out. And, you know, we don't have to find three or four or 5 million more bean acres. Um, that's one way it could, it could play out. But the other way um, is if we're starting to overwhelm, um, you know, the demand side here, and we do have to expand. That, that is a great question. You know, where does it come from? It, there's still a lot of swing acres out there. There's still a lot of acres that are in CRP. Uh, you know, if it's in CRP and has been for five or 10 years, it's probably not the most productive farm ground, but that, that's always the, the question. Um, you know, the thing that I didn't even realize that's until recently is, is um, through the renewable fuel standard, we're allowed to um, use Canadian uh, you know, like canola and, and Canadian seed oil crops as part of our biodiesel blend. So that was a little bit of a, of a shocker to me. Shame on me for not knowing that for yeah. all these years. Uh, um, so, you know, maybe it could come from imports. Uh, you know, we've seen that. I mean, as strange as it sounds, we have imported beans from Brazil before to the East Coast. I'm not so sure we won't see that again, um, you know, this year because things are very, very tight. As far as ending stocks go here, and it looks like Brazil's going to have a big surplus uh, of beans. So wouldn't be shocked uh, by summertime if you're not seeing 
some imports of Brazilian beans into the East Coast. So there's a lot of ways it could play out. You know, the funny thing about the market is, is if you keep it um, free and, and don't mess with it, the economics of a free market work out. Either you get the acres generated from somewhere, you get the import from somewhere, the market will fix itself if you don't um, put too many hands in it. And, and so uh, it, I, I'm, I'm sure over the next three to five years, it'll, it'll fix itself one way or the other, a combination of all that. Yeah. It's amazing if you just leave something alone long enough, it'll, it'll turn back around to the, to the better. When you force it, you always end up getting something broke. So that's exactly, exactly. But we continue to try to micromanage <coughs> and mess with markets and uh, don't never learn our lesson. Apparently. What's that saying? Ronald Reagan had what's the, whatever, how many words, you know, we're from the government. We're here to help thing. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Run the other way. <laughs> run the other way. Right. So, all right. Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you got going on over at Blue Reef. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. Just, uh, just give us a call or office 309-550-7213. Uh, this thing's going to get treacherous in, in yeah. 23. I, I really am. Uh, I don't want to be the sky is falling guy, but, uh, it's going to be much more challenging in 23 and 24 than it has been the last three years. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, Chip, I appreciate you being the podcast, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn and Moving Iron Podcast, and check out the video version of this over on YouTube at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. You can find more information about everything Moving Iron related at movingironllc.com. And if you want to take advantage of that $50 discount, from Axon, go to movingironllc.com in the upper right-hand corner. Click on the 2023 Moving Iron Summit and get registered there, and that will take give you that discount. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Smooth smart folks, out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher, time and time again. Through the years, you'll find us here. Moving higher.